students' social networks are diverse, dynamic, and deliberate when transitioning to clinical training. This paper was written by Anik Atherley, Laura Nimmin, Pim Chunison, Diana Dolmans, Iman Egasi, and Wendy Hugh. First, the abstract. Transitions in medical education are dynamic, emotional, and complex, yet of unavoidable. Relationships matter, especially in times of transition. Using qualitative social network research methods, we explored social relationships and social support as medical students transitioned from preclinical to clinical training. Eight medical students completed a social network map during a semi-structured interview within two weeks of beginning their clinical clerkships, and then again four months later. These are T0 and T1, respectively. They indicated meaningful interactions that influenced their transition from preclinical to clinical training and discussed how these relationships impacted their transition. We conducted mixed methods analysis on this data. At T0, eight participants described the influence of 128 people in their social support networks. This marginally increased to 134 at T1. People from within and beyond the clinical space made up participants' social networks. As new relationships were, were created, example with peers and doctors, old relationships were kept, example with doctors and family, or dissolved over time, example with near peers and nurses. Participants deliberately created, kept, or dissolved relationships over time, dependent on whether they provided emotional support, they, that means that they could trust them, or instrumental support, they provided academic guidance. This is the first social networks analysis paper to explore social networks in transitioning students in medicine. We found that undergraduate medical students' social support networks were diverse, dynamic, and deliberate as they transitioned to clerkships. Participants created and kept relationships with those they trusted and who provided emotional or instrumental support and dissolved relationships that did not provide these functions. Introduction. Transitions in medical education are dynamic, emotional, and complex yet unavoidable. Transitions are imposed by healthcare systems, example, changing medical teams on firms, and training programs, example, from preclinical to clinical training. Few studies explicitly focus on social and developmental aspects to transitions, even though medical educators are increasingly fostering competencies such as collaboration and reflection. In this paper, we contribute to the conversation surrounding social aspects of transitions as we unpack relationships influencing undergraduate medical students transitioning from preclinical to clinical training. Transitions are dynamic periods, requiring the transfer of previous training, example from preclinical classroom-based training, to the workplace, example to the clinical environment. Discourse in transition literature focuses on the associated distress and anxiety during transitions, 
which may lead to self-doubt. Persistent self-doubt can result in limited speaking up behavior, which is linked to increased medical errors. However, transitions also offer an opportunity for personal and professional development. Thus, entering a new environment can also be a learning asset. The struggles experienced when transitioning to being a doctor for the first time can be motivating when supported. Numerous interventions have been developed to address the threats inherent in transitions within medical education. These primarily focus on bridging the educational gap of knowledge and skills that newcomers experience as they move to new environments. Although these interventions may increase confidence, students must develop meaningful relationships and integrate into clinical environments to be able to access opportunities to learn, practice, and showcase taught knowledge and skills. The social perspective to transitions is important as relationships matter, especially in times of transition. Social integration is notoriously difficult in clinical clerkships, especially those that are rotation-based. Social integration buffers stress during intense periods and is one form of social support. Social support is a network-based phenomenon described as any social transaction that may be helpful for the receiver in a particular situation. Therefore, creating and keeping supportive social relationships is crucial during transitions. There is a gap in the transitions literature calling for more research from a social perspective. We are yet to know how social relationships influence trans students' transition as they leave the classroom and go to a clinical training environment. Social network research methods could help us fill this gap. Social network theory tells us that behavior and performance are the result of the way individuals are tied to their social connections. Social network analysis has been invaluable in understanding relationships in undergraduate medical education. We know now that medical students choose friends of similar sex and background during medical training that undergraduate students' relationships predict their performance, that institutional allocation influences friendship development, and even that faculty's social networks influence learning about teaching. However, social networks have not yet been explored in relation to transitions in medical education, including how they influence students' transition experiences. In recognizing that learning is a collaborative process, we anticipated that exposing the social fabric of relationships between students and others would enable us to consider how social structures and individual preferences interact during the transition to clinical training. We therefore use social network analysis to examine the social interactions of undergraduate students, studying their relationships and connections during their transition to the clinical environment. Specifically, we sought to answer the following research questions. One, who are in the social networks of undergraduate students transitioning to the clinical environment? Two, to what extent do undergraduate students' networks change as they transition to the clinical environment? What are the mechanisms behind these changes? Methodology. This study took place in the five-year medical program of Western Sydney University, Australia. Every year, approximately 130 students, primarily school leavers, 
enter the medical program at Western Sydney University. The program comprises two preclinical years with a PBL curriculum and three clinical years with rotation-based clerkships, also called attachments or placements. We took our sample from an ethnically diverse sampling frame at Western Sydney University. We conducted this study within a social constructivist paradigm. We believe that individuals create meaning through their interactions with others. In addition to concepts from social network theory mentioned above, we were further sensitized by theoretical constructs from landscape of practice and iteration of community of practice theory. This was a useful conceptual tool because in medical education, new clinical students interface with boundaries surrounding communities of clinical practice as they attempt to socially integrate when transitioning in and out of numerous undergraduate clerkships in the landscape of clinical practice. Likewise, social network research considers the location of the boundary around a network of people who are interacting. Landscapes of practice complement social network analysis given the social perspective to learning and overlapping concepts such as brokers and boundaries. We collected network data from a convenient sample of eight undergraduate medical students. Our eight participants included four males and four females between the ages of 19 and 24. Participants identified their nationality or ethnicity as being Chinese, Caucasian, Malaysian, Indian, Bengali, Sri Lankan, and Middle Eastern. We will refer to the participants as David, Kenneth, Greg, Nicole, Samita, Elizabeth, Tyrell, and Kendi. David and Kendi had some psychological distress during the data collection period due to issues related to training. However, this emotional distress was promptly addressed as both students went to the institution's counselor and David took two mental health days as allowed. To collect data for the current study and answer our research questions, we use an egocentric approach to social network analysis by focusing on specific individuals instead of a complete network approach. We therefore focus on the social networks of individuals, ego, made up of people called alters, whose relationship is called a tie. We collected data using interviews at two time points, five months apart, allowing us not only to understand network structure, but also network change and mechanisms functioning within networks. The first interview was within the first two weeks of the first clinical year, T0, and the second was four months later, T1. Our research program focuses on the transition from preclinical to clinical training, and our early literature review stimulated us to explore a number of distinct yet related topics. In a previous narrative inquiry, we investigated how students storied their transition and thus the lived reality they experienced. Nine students regularly completed audio recording diaries for nine months, and they then participated in two interviews yielding over 60 data points. See figure one. We report on these findings separately. In this current study, we focus on the specific influence of social relationships when students transition to clinical training. The data collected for the current study were different to that for the previous study and answered separate research questions. We collected data for the current study at the interviews conducted for the previous study using a separate interview guide as we described 
below. We did this for logistical reasons and to respect participants' time. Eight of the nine participants participated in the current study as one did not respond to reminders about the interviews, and thus this student was not a part of our exploration of social relationships. During the study period relative to this paper, participants experienced three to four clerkships each five-week duration. To capture each participant's social networks, we facilitated systematic identification and consideration of alter choices, relationships, and level of impact. Explicit methodological details and sample images can be found in Figure 2. We use qualitative data collection through individual interviews at T0 and T1 to collect isocentric network data from our eight participants. This allowed us to capture data on mechanisms functioning within the social support networks of participants. AA conducted all interviews following two pilot sessions on persons outside of the sample. No changes in the interview process were made. First, we generated names of alters by having participants complete a list after asking them to think of all the persons who have impacted your transition experiences thus far, positively or negatively. Write each person down. Each alter's name was written on a small post-it. AA quoted each name tag to indicate the gender, role, and whether each alter had a positive or negative influence. Participants were free to add alters at any time during the interview. We did not limit the number of alters that participants could indicate so as not to compromise that equality. Participants then arranged each name tag on one of four concentric circles surrounding their name. See figure two for an example of these procedures and what they look like. The innermost circle represented alters who had the most impact on a participant, and the outermost circle represented those who had the least impact. We asked participants to indicate relationships between alters with circles and lines to connect them. The final output is called a target sociogram, also seen in figure 2. Using a semi-structured interview guide, as seen in box 1, we discuss network level and alter level influences including key events that made visible how alters helped or hindered participants' transition experiences. Four months later, these data collection procedures were repeated at T1. Participants reflected and discussed any changes in their networks at T1. We did not show participants their previous networks at a certain interview to avoid influencing all the choices at T1. This qualitative approach to SNA captured narratives that ultimately expressed how and why relationships were created, kept, or dissolved. We used an audio recorder and video camera to record the interviews and the workspace participants used to create their target sociograms. Participants were not in frame. Video recording helped us identify which alters participants were referencing as they referred to their sociograms as they spoke. Each interview for our research questions lasted between 45 minutes and 90 minutes, depending on participants' network size. In total, participants were interviewed about their social networks for 93 to 194 minutes on average over the two interviews. All audio recordings were transcribed verbatim. AA wrote reflective notes after each session. All target sociograms were recreated using Microsoft PowerPoint, and we changed all names to pseudonyms. 
participants were able to receive copies of their target sociogram and could make changes if necessary. No changes were made. So how did we manage and analyze data? This is a mixed method social network analysis, which is defined as any study that draws from both qualitative and quantitative data or uses qualitative and quantitative methods of analysis and thoughtfully integrates the different research strands with each other. This afforded us richness and interpretive depth through considering the quantitative and qualitative dimensions of the social support networks of participants in our sample. Firstly, AA created a spreadsheet of all alters based on the coded name tags. We also captured strength of the interaction through concentric circle placement using a score of four for the innermost circle and one for the outermost circle. We compared the composition of roles of all alters in all networks at T0 and equal 128 versus T1 and equal 134 using Pearson's chi-square statistic. All transcripts and target sociograms were imported into Atlas TI for data management and analysis. AA conducted inductive thematic analysis of interviewed transcripts, target sociograms, and videos. All authors collectively discussed the raw data early in the research process. In addition to these discussions, Interpretations were liberally discussed with LN or WH and then the entire research team as insights unfolded. Together, our synchronous face-to-face -face discussions and iterative asynchronous email exchanges shaped our results. We discussed divergent interpretations in online meetings and through track changes and comments on initial drafts of the results section. Ethical Considerations this study received ethical approval through Western Sydney University. Due to the intimate and personal nature of this research, we have taken care to ensure anonymity through all stages of research and within this paper. We have not indicated the calendar year of data collection, specific participants' ethnicity, nor specific position titles to protect the identity of our participants and alters. All names in this paper are pseudonyms. We believe the transition to clinical training is a social process through which learning and development occurs. Some of the authors are doctors with clinical experience. Ellen has experience conducting and supervising qualitative social network analysis. Some authors are established qualitative researchers and experienced medical educators. This international team spans a wide range of geographical contexts, including Australia, Barbados, Canada, Egypt, and the Netherlands. The multifaceted perspectives of the research team increased the information power in this study. The research relationship between AA and participants, as described earlier, boosted the quality of their interactions. AA had no hierarchical relationship with the participants as she was not engaged in any teaching appointments and had no role in their assessment or progression. Results. We first described the network structure in our sample at both T0 and T1 to gather network level and alter level insights such as size, diversity, gender, roles, and strengths of ties. This answers research question one and tells us, both quantitatively and qualitatively, who are in the social networks of students transitioning to the clinical environment. To answer research question two, how do networks change and underlying mechanisms for change? 
we quantitatively and qualitatively compare the alters at T0 with the alters at T1. For insight into network change, another ties were created, kept, or dissolved. We also explored whether the composition of networks changed. To answer the sub-question of research question 2, we qualitatively describe the mechanisms functioning to exert network change, further integrating the conclusions given by the previous quantitative analysis. Network structure. During the initial two weeks of their first clinical clerkship, eight students interacted with a total of 128 unique alters, approximately 16 alters per student. Network size ranged from 12 to 22 alters at T0. Networks were diverse, as is evident on sociograms in figures 3 and 4. These figures are visualizations of two participants' networks. Figure 3 shows T0 alone for David, and Figure 4 shows T0 and T1 for Nicole. The figure shows alters on pinwheels, so readers can easily visualize which groups the alters in participants' networks represent by their labeled wedge and also the strength of alters' influence. Strongest influence is indicated closest to the center and received a score of 4. And polarity of their influence, black means a negative interaction. We have three key findings from T0 network data. Firstly, most networks were diverse and comprised mostly of doctors, N equals 39 or 30.5 percent, near peers, N equal 23 or 18%, and peers, N equal 22 or 17.2%. See Table 1, Figures 3 and 4. Secondly, academics, nurses, support staff, and peers were often placed on alter circles as compared to doctors, near peers, others, and family. See Figures 3 and 4. Lastly, a few alters appeared in more than one participant's networks. These alters were primarily in institutional positions and included an academic physician and a student-voted administrative role. Networks on the move. Networks were dynamic and alter composition changed over time. At T1, there were 85 new ties, 99 dissolved ties, and 28 kept ties in the networks of our eight participants. This led to the total number of ties at T1 being 134. Due to the proportions of dissolved ties and kept ties, students' networks did not get significantly bigger over time. Average ties per network went from 16 at T0 to 16.75 at T1. The overall network change between T0 and T1 varied between minus 5 and plus 15 alters. In Figure 4, we instantly see more peer ties and less near peer ties for Nicole. This pattern was seen in most network maps. The role composition of networks was significantly different between time points. Chi-square value 22.6, p-value 0.002, see table 1. Mechanisms for change. The overarching mechanism for network change was through deliberate network management by our participants. Students intentionally created, kept, or dissolved ties depending on emotional or instrumental support factors. Some alters provided both types of support. Emotional support was often provided by peer roommates, family, and sometimes participants. Participants made deliberate decisions to create, keep, or dissolve a tie 
based on an assessment of whether they could trust altars or whether they were physically accessible. It took many participants time to trust their peers with their concerns and questions. This eventually led to the creation of peer ties we see above at T1. Both female and male participants revealed that at T0, they feared that by admitting to experiencing struggles and knowledge deficits, they would be seen as weak by peers. Some participants did not trust that their peers could help as their experiences were similar. By T1, most participants recognized their peers as an important source of support and learning, and they trusted them more over time. For example, Nicole reflected, I think I should have opened up a little bit earlier if I had any troubles to people in my cohort a bit more. I mean, I don't feel like I've had a lot of issues, but I would kind of feel embarrassed to bring up issues. I didn't want to seem weak in front of other people. But now, I just tell people, peers, everything. It really helped me not to overthink things and to keep things into perspective, so I should have just done it earlier. Perceived accessibility of ties determined whether they were dissolved. For example, near peers disappointed some participants who felt that near peers had their own education to focus on and could not help them. This likely led to a loss of near peer ties that we see in Table 1 and in Figure 4. Below, David expressed his disappointment when Terry did not live up to the expectations he had for her support and friendship. Terry I was supposed to see her that day after our meeting. She had other commitments. Terry really made me feel bad because I was really desperate for some help and she left me hanging out to dry. That is why there's no senior in this picture right now. No one helps. Trust and perceived accessibility resulted in family ties being stable over time. Family were one group on whom participants always felt they could reliably depend during stressful experiences. Participants welcomed the outside perspective and noted maintaining their family ties was beneficial to their overall well-being. At both T0 and T1, family remained in participants' network, averaging being placed on the second circle from the center on target sociograms. Below, Candy describes how her dad was reliably supportive, resulting in him appearing on her sociogram at both T0 and T1. When I go through like hardships or obstacles and stuff, um, my dad is always there to talk to me if I'm feeling upset. And he'll, because like he's been through, he's not a doctor, but he's been through similar stuff, like a transition from uni to being, like to go to work. And then he'd know sometimes it can be hard and he would tell me, encourage me. Contrastingly, David recognized the diminished influence of his mother on his transition, feeling she could not understand as she was from outside the medical world. That tie was dissolved at T1. A few alters had similar thoughts. In practice, emotional support was often provided mainly through facilitating venting or by alters nurturing participant self-esteem. Venting was an important emotional function that permeated all narratives. It encouraged participants to re-engage once they offloaded and discussed their stresses and concerns. Venting could help shape many participants' perspective occurring within relationships that were founded on trust. Often, 
with altars on their innermost circles and sociograms, family members, peers, and resident doctors. Below, Nicole described how Annabelle facilitated her venting. It is clear that Annabelle was a close, trusted friend by her proximity to the center at T0 and that she persisted at T1 in Nicole's network as seen in figure four. She, Annabelle, was helping me in that way and say if it was having a bad day, I could just like vent to her and she would help me see perspective. Interestingly, some patients, categorized under the role other, increased participants' confidence and validated their presence in the community, thereby nurturing their perceived value to the clinical community. She, a patient, also said, the cannula was good. It was very gentle, so that was good for me, and it felt good that I tried to reassure her a bit. Contrastingly, some ties functioned as a source of emotional conflict or increased stress. Some students felt ignored or belittled by persons on their networks. Some ties caused tension and did not neatly fit as a positive or negative interaction. This usually instigated strain on participants' time having to choose between their ties and medicine. Interestingly, there were fewer negative ties described at T1. Over time, some students were able to use negative interactions to develop personally and professionally. Even though it wasn't a great first day experience, they made me realize that not everyone will be trying to help me and I have to make it work for myself. So I started actively asking questions and trying to help them as much as I can and trying to ask questions, trying to help my learning instead of them asking me. Instrumental support was often provided by doctors and near peers. Participants made deliberate decisions to create, keep, or dissolve ties based on an assessment of an alter's expertise on serendipitous interactions with alters who provided academic guidance and shared cultural norms for engaging in a new clerkship environment. Some participants deliberately sought out the expertise of doctors in particular. Additional doctor ties were created as students experienced more clerkships, see Table 1. Doctor ties were kept if they made participants feel valued, shared their own experiences, recognized participants' knowledge and skills, and showed interest in their development. Below, Nicole notes the influence of Alana, a registrar physician in Nicole's network at T0 and T1 as seen in Figure 4. Even though Nicole left Alana's department, five months later, Alana was kept as an altar that Nicole continued to contact for advice. It was a big thing for her, Alana, to make sure that everyone was really comfortable and are we doing okay, you know. She had experiences with maybe people not being so nice to her when she was a student. So it was important for her, for me, not to feel that way. Students liked when doctors provided opportunities for students to become part of the clinical environment by giving them tasks and roles that integrate them into everyday patient care and sharing their expertise and knowledge with them. This facilitated social integration by cultivating a sense of belonging to the clinical team. Doctors who facilitated such integration persisted in networks over time. You trust me with things. Go examine and tell me what you find, okay? Then he'll type it and that's it. And it makes me feel more responsible. 
When students were not given this opportunity or the environment did not facilitate integration, this left them feeling that they were not yet transitioning. Below at T0, David struggles with not being invited to participate in clinical tasks. He's my supervisor for GP. I don't think that he understands that I have to act like a clinician at this point. He treats me like a baby and I don't like that at all. Guidance was especially important at T0 and at T1 was increasingly provided by peers contributing to the creation of numerous peer types. Guidance mainly included sharing advice about cultural norms and tips for working as a clinical student. In the quote below, Sunita discusses the guidance provided by resident doctors during her first week of courtship. They, residents, just always asked us questions and then like they went through the guide as well, which I don't think a lot of doctors do. So they were trying to teach us at least one topic over coffee, even though they were really busy with their work as well. Some participants recognized the reciprocal nature of some ties, especially peer relationships. They recounted how helping others helped them help themselves. This support function of helping others was primarily seen at T1 as compared to T0. I don't think I influence my cohort. I go to them for advice, they come to me for advice. I've shared my experiences with them as well, so I think that people, my peers, later come to me as well. And they do take in whatever I say, and they take that into consideration as well. This study explored structure, change, and mechanisms functioning in the social networks of medical students transitioning from preclinical to clinical training. We found that the social fabric of relationships as students transition from the preclinical to clinical training is indeed a complex dynamic blend. Our study further strengthens the link between social networks and transitions in the literature, two entities previously examined in isolation. Despite the widespread acceptance of social cultural theories of learning, including communities or landscapes of practice theory being applied to workplace-based learning, this study appears to be the first social network analysis informed by qualitative methods that explores social networks as they relate to a transition during the medical education continuum. Through data collection at two time points, we are confident in our explanatory power regarding how and why relationships relevant to medical training are created, kept, or dissolved. Our qualitative data collection methods showed us that the social support networks of our sample were diverse, dynamic, and deliberate. Networks were diverse and were not confined to the boundaries surrounding clerkship communities or even the landscape of clinical practice. Using an egocentric approach, we did not assume that networks comprised of people in predefined boundaries such as communities of clinical practice and complete network social network analysis. Additionally, we expected that students would have a larger support network a few months into clinical training. This did not happen contrary to teacher networks participating in an instructional development program. The rotation-based courtship model is likely responsible for some of the failure we saw for support networks to grow due to a lack of continuity. Lastly, future research could explicitly explore the influence of alters ethnicity versus students' ethnicity. Networks were dynamic. 
During the initial weeks, students missed out on potentially meaningful peer interactions due to feelings of competition and not wanting to appear weak. Promoting speaking up and normalizing struggles could help minimize stigma. These findings are in keeping with the proposed challenges of peer groups in the medical education literature. Supportive peer relations may improve perceived psychological safety and improve a focus on learning instead of impression management. We found that some family ties reduced in strength just five months into courtship. This could be part of the professional inclusivity and simultaneously social exclusivity as students become doctors. With concerns of diminished work-life integration, contributing to physician burnout, and retrospective realization of reliance on family and friends to cope, maintaining supportive family ties should be encouraged. The loss of nurse ties and lack of meaningful ties with other professionals, example physiotherapy, could counteract interprofessional collaboration competence. This could be explored in future research. The dynamic nature of networks we found in this study relates to tie churn, a concept in social network analysis theory which describes the stability and change in networks over time using ratios of new and dissolved ties to all and kept ties. Networks were created through deliberate network management. This is in line with other social network research which considers network intentionality. We were able to not only describe tie churn but also underlying mechanisms behind why ties were created, kept, and dissolved over time as students transition to the clinical environment. While we expected networks to grow, having a deliberate small network could be more beneficial during the emotionally complex transition period. Additionally, network intentionality could be the result of becoming aware of one's networks and thus actively seeking out or dissolving existing ties. Our qualitative data found this intentionality to be dependent on the provision or not of emotional and instrumental support. Our sample intentionally dissolved relationships with alters who did not provide either emotional support, example unable to trust them or they were not accessible, or instrumental support they did not have enough expertise or did not provide academic guidance. Notably, we may have made students aware of their networks during our first data collection, and future research could explore whether becoming aware of one's network could relate to network intentionality in learners. Our findings are limited in transferability by our single institution design. However, we aimed for a thick description of our processes to make institutional generalizability possible. Our participants experienced a varied combination of courtships during the study period, which allows some transferability outside of any particular clerkship. We acknowledge that transferability is limited, but we focus on specific clerkship contexts so as to make data interpretation feasible yet allow comparison within our varied and intense data set. Using egocentric networks provided insight into understanding both mechanisms functioning in clinical students' social networks over time. 
Our findings are likely generalizable to the phenomenon of interest and not the sampling claim. For example, the concept of deliberate network management is likely generalizable to all transitioning medical trainees, given it being found not only here, but relates to network intentionality in general social network analysis literature. Eight participants may appear low, however, we were interested in the 128 to 134 ties and properties of those ties. Given the intense data collection methods, only a small number of participants were necessary to produce this rich multimodal data set at two time points. We thus believe this data set contains sufficient information power to answer our research questions. During a few interviews, AA's influence on some participants was clear as she was mentioned in sociograms and transcripts. As mentioned, AA was known to participants as a researcher exploring their transition to clinical training through their participation in a previous study. We recognize AA's influence on participants might have varied over time. However, following realizing the concrete influence AA had on participants in multiple interviews, we discussed the potential negative implication of AA's research relationship. These effects could include that participants felt pressured into further data collection by participating in this study, thus increasing their participant burden. However, we discussed the impact of their participation in the interviews and found that a relationship between AA and participants allowed them to be open in the discussions relevant to this paper. From participants, we learned that we unintentionally conducted a reflective intervention by having participants reflect on their relationship and experiences in both this and the other related study we described earlier. For example, one participant had to take time off for psychological reasons and noted he used the opportunities for reflecting in audio diary recordings to work through his issues. And he realized that contemplating his social network allowed him to identify who he could lean on during difficult times. Due to the reflective nature of our data collection, we agree with other authors that mapping one's network can potentially be a useful exercise during stressful periods between phases. Qualitative and mixed methods SNA research, social network analysis research, could benefit health professions education inquiries as it has general education research. Network development could be a social outcome of medical training and could broaden our scope, which is dominantly focused on knowledge acquisition and skills training during transitions. Social network analysis could become a marker of social integration through measuring network size and other method. Other method. Social network analysis could become a marker of social integration through measuring of network size and other measures. Mapping social networks could help institutions recognize brokers and support them. More social network analysis research in other health professions education fields like allied health could provide holistic data on how networks of health professions interact or not. This is the first social network analysis paper to explore social networks in transitioning students in medicine. We found that undergraduate medical students' social support networks were diverse, dynamic, and deliberate as they transitioned to clerkships. 
there were more pair and doctor ties and less near pair and nurse ties over time. Students' deliberate decisions to create, to keep, or to dissolve relationships were based on whether alters provided emotional or instrumental support. We wish to acknowledge all participants for their eager participation in this study. We thank the School of Health Professions Education at Maastricht University for their feedback at an early data interpretation stage during a lunch lecture. We also thank Penny Abbott and the reviewers for their feedback on a previous version of this paper. We have no conflict of interest.